over the past few years, there was a part of me that started to become more aware of of maybe some of my drinking habits. And I was just like, you know, I don't really, I'm not really digging how I'm living. I'm living. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Broadcasting from the west coast of the Golden State, the nation's most straightforward recovery talk show, That Sober Guy podcast, helping to keep your brain sharp and your blood clean. And now, Shane Raymer. What's up? What is up? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. Today, we're talking with Larry Hagner. Larry is married and a father of four boys and is also the founder of The Good Dad Project, which is awesome. Now, let me tell you a little bit about The Good Dad Project. So it's a strong community of fathers who all share a set of values. The mission of The Good Dad Project is to help you become the best, strongest, and happiest version of yourself so that you can help guide your kids to the best version of themselves. Now, Larry's also the author of The Dad's Edge, Amazon best-selling book, and he also hosts the Good Dad Project podcast with co-host Sean Stevenson, where they break down the common challenges of fatherhood. Now, that is not the only reason we're having Larry on the show today. We, We do want to talk about The Good Dad Project. We want to talk about being a father how to be a good dad. Um, do any of us have that answer? Not really, but we try our best. That's kind of what we get into about how we do the best we can. We're trying to educate ourselves. We're trying to learn from other good men out there or who, or men who are trying to be good men and uh, really communicate that and bounce ideas off of each other. And we'll tell you how you can be a part of that as well in the episode. Um, but Larry has also recently quit drinking. And the, what was established in the episode, we kind of came up with this term throughout the conversation of the middle ground drinker. And is there such thing as a middle ground drinker? How do I know if I'm an alcoholic or not? Um, these are questions that I know I asked myself. Now, the answer I found is, yes, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, is that going to be different for everybody? Absolutely, because only you know if you're an alcoholic, if you have an addiction problem. Um, these are things that, you know, that, that really only inside in our gut, our tuition, our soul that we're going to know. Now, someone once told me that if you're questioning the fact that you might be an alcoholic, there's a good chance that you might be an alcoholic. Is that for me to tell you? Absolutely not. Like I said, that's up to you. Anyways, Larry quit drinking, uh, at the first of the year, he's doing some, uh, uh, a seal fit program, which is ridiculous. Uh, talk a little bit about that in there. So I really think it 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 was it was very good for Larry to come on and be honest and really lay out his experience with alcohol and his experience quitting alcohol and how that has changed him in in a really a short a short amount of time right now. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. If you have any questions about this episode, you can reach out to me at sobriety at that dot com. First, a word from our sponsor. Sober Nation is the largest online recovery community and treatment resource center. They provide treatment resources to those struggling with addiction, as well as to family members who are caught in the crossfire. On top of that, Sober Nation is a huge community of good people who share their experience with each other. They have informative content, recovery and addiction news, as well as an entire clothing line, which helps expand the culture of recovery. 
They can be found at www.SoberNation.com. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. Check it out. Also, there's a promo code you can type in and save 20% on all Sober Nation apparel, hats, shirts, all kinds of cool gear on there. Go to the promo code box, type in Shane, S-H-A-N-E, and save 20%. Once again, that's S-H-A-N-E, Shane, in the promo box, and you'll save 20% on all Sober Nation gear. Go to the Facebook page. Also, check out Sober Guy, Sober Girl private Facebook recovery group on there. If you search that, you can request an ad. Got a lot of great things going on there, resources, 24-7 posting something, talking about something. There's some great people in there. Uh, Thanks to all of you, too, who are in there and who are participating in the group. It's pretty awesome, and it's great to watch it grow. You know, we're getting a couple people added each day and uh, really getting some great feedback and some some great content in there that's helping people with this whole thing called recovery. So thank you. Uh, You can find us on Twitter, at 5, that sober guy. Uh, Check out a live online meeting Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Those are online. They're real easy. You log in, grab some headphones uh, with a little mic on them. The little iPhone headphones work great. And uh, you can check out a live That Sober Guy meeting. A lot of great people in there too. Last but not least, if you'd like to make a donation to the show, they're always greatly appreciated. They help run this operation and all donations go back into the show to help bring you the best recovery content. Without further ado, Larry Hagner from The Good Dad Project. All right, today we're talking with Larry Hagner. Larry is married and a father of four boys. He's also the founder of The Good Dad Project. And Larry has also recently quit drinking. And we're going to discuss a little bit about all of this today. So Larry, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Thank you for inviting me to the dad's uh, what's the, what's the name of the group again? Is it the dad's edge group? Is it the good dad project group on Facebook? Just an awesome group of men in there where we can bounce things around off each other. And there's some good opinions and thoughts in there. Pretty awesome group, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, so the dad's edge, it's uh it's called the dad's edge, real dads with real purpose. And what it is, is it's actually a private group on Facebook. It's either invite only or you have to request access to, to be a part of the group. And right now we have about 400 guys in the group. And what we've really noticed is we, we've got some amazing conversations going on in that group. And what we've noticed is it's really, it's, it's like-minded men. It's 400 like-minded men and we're growing every single day. And the cool thing about the group is every, every dad in that group has a bit of wisdom to share. You know, everyone sure. has different perspectives. Everyone has kids of all ages and different experiences, different upbringings. And all these guys bring that experience, you know, to this page, this Facebook page. And there are several comments, suggestions, conversations that go on every single day. What I like to call it is it's more of a, a safe place for for men, fathers to go to when a lot of times we as men and fathers, we don't have these conversations in everyday life. We hold a lot in and I'm not talking about like the sensitive type stuff. I'm talking about like just some of the concerns where most men want to be better at at their job, you know, being a husband, being a boyfriend, being a father, being a stepfather, whatever that looks like. We all want to be better at it. However, we're usually pretty standoffish when it comes to asking another man for advice. So that's exactly what this group is all about. And it's just been amazing to see the conversations that these guys are, are 
are, are sharing with each other, you know, have different perspectives and wisdom that's being shared. And it's just a cool place to go that when you're struggling with something or even if you have just something that you want to share that's an accomplishment, you know, it's a great place to go and just get some insight. I think it's it's tough sometimes for for guys in general, you know, dads and, and just uh, just men in general. We're not really taught growing up how to communicate. At least I know uh, I wasn't. It's it's been an, an acquired thing, a learned thing, and uh, it's still a challenge on the daily. But uh, you know, groups like yours and um, the pro- the Good Dad Project itself, folks. If you haven't uh, if you haven't heard of Larry or the Good Dad Project, I really encourage you to go check out um, his his site, the Good Dad Project. It's gooddadproject.com, Larry. Yes. Yes, yeah, gooddadproject.com. There's a ton of information on there and a ton of cool points. And um, there's a couple of books on there that you can get uh, for free and a download uh, through Larry. Pretty awesome stuff, man. And we're going to talk a little bit about Larry and uh, his past and his recent decision to quit drinking. First, uh, I, I want to get into where did the idea for the Good Dad Project come and uh, how did that kind of start for you, Larry? Uh, it's such a good question, man. Thank you for asking. Sure. Um, yeah, so he, I, I call the the inception of the Good Dad Project kind of my Jerry Maguire moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll never forget seeing that movie. You know, it was yeah. twenty years ago, and you know he's up late. You know, and he he just has this epiphany that you know his business would be better if he fed more the quality side of his business rather than the quantity, and you know maybe forego some of the huge heavy income for giving his his clients better service. And we all know how that ended up. You know, he ended up getting fired from his job, but he ended up (laughs) writing, you know, this 25 page mission statement. And it was really, I don't want to say it was a low point for him, but it was with what happened to me is it was, it was a low point for me. And what I mean by that is I, I've been a dad for 10 years and the first five years of my fatherhood journey, I really struggled with it terribly. I mean, I and I think a lot of the struggle came from the frustration of not knowing what to do, how to do it. And it, it's almost like, I mean, for instance, I got my degree in health management and, and wellness and nutrition. And fatherhood felt to me, so I knew everything about, you know, health and exercise and nutrition and all that good stuff. And what fatherhood felt like to me was going and trying to be an architect every day. Right. You know, I had all this education yeah. doing one thing. And then my fatherhood journey, I felt like I was constantly learning and it was it was frustrating. And I just really wanted a blueprint on how to do it. And I didn't have that. And I didn't have it growing up. So just one night, I just got up to the point where I was like, I seriously have to get this part of my life together because exactly what I don't want to do, I'm doing every single day, which is I'm, I'm not engaged. I don't have patience. I don't have work-life balance. I'm frustrated a lot. And all that's overspilling onto my wife and my kids. At one point, my marriage was in jeopardy and I was drowning in it, to be honest. So yeah. late one night, I was on Facebook and I decided to create a page called the Good Dad Project. And the Good Dad Project was actually me. I <laughs> I was the project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna learn how to do this, I'm gonna keep myself publicly accountable for this. And whatever I'm learning, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share it because I guess I can't be the only one. Yeah. And I just started doing that. And then one thing led to another. The Facebook page grew and grew and I got a lot of positive feedback on it. Then I started being asked to speak. And you know, I did speaking events, and I'm like, man, where is this going to go? And then I decided to hire a business coach, and I decided to take this whole mission and this vision online. And really, that's what it is today, which is a, a blog, it's a podcast, and I'm, 
I'm thankful and I'm blessed to say that the Dad's Edge book is actually an Amazon bestseller in the, in the fatherhood category, which I never would have thought would have happened. And but what I've found is is that these struggles that I was going through, uh, almost all of us just struggle with these same things. And what I could, what I wanted, what I wanted so badly was I wanted a book or a resource that would talk with me instead of not down to me. And I yeah. felt like every book that I picked up, it was situational parenting or it was you should do this and this is why. And I just couldn't relate to it. Yeah. So I just wanted my mission to be like from a dad to another dad. But I don't call myself a fatherhood. Uh, I'm not a fatherhood expert by any means. I mean, if my wife was in here, she would t- she'd be the first to admit <laughs> like, yeah, you mess up every single day. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's what makes the mission more real and more relatable is that I'm just more of a student of it. So I'm, I'm just one of those people that I get to learn every single day, every single week and doing my podcast in particular, I've, you know, we're almost at 50, 50 episodes and I've gotten to learn every single week from a new guest. And that's, what's made the journey so cool is that there's never a point where I've ever stopped learning. It's just a, it really is a mission of just sharing what I've gotten to learn. Yeah, I love how you frame that, man. And, and thanks for your honesty in that. And congratulations on, I mean, that's that's just quite some accomplishments from going and putting yourself out there and not really knowing, um, you know, not really having a, an end result in mind, but just saying, you know what, t- I'm going to take some accountability. I'm going to stand up. I know this is something that is really bothering me and I want to figure out how to fix it or how I can be better at it, man. And so that's, it's just super admirable, man. And I, I really uh, appreciate your honesty in it, man. And thank you for starting the good dad project too, man. Cause it's helped me just with, uh, I mean, I, I, I go in there and I see some of the posts in there and, um, and on the site as well. And, uh, it's just awesome stuff, man. So thanks. Oh man, I appreciate that. And yeah, one more thing about the dad's edge. I know, sure. I know we mentioned it was a closed group and invite only, but Hey, that, um, that that just means, hey, if you're a dad and you just want to learn more from other dads, by all means, go search for it on Facebook. Send me an email at the Good Dad Project at Gmail. You know, let me know that you want in. Uh, by no means are we, are, yeah, are we are we picky or anything like that. We just we want guys engaged versus just following, and that's sure. what we have found with that group. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not like this is a private group, guys. Right. You are not allowed. <laughs> right, right. There's yeah, there's no stop signs or anything. Yeah. we just ask that you are dead. All right, man. Well, uh, let's let's get to know a little bit about Larry today, man. Are you ready for that? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, take us back, Larry, to you as a kid. Yeah, so my childhood was was uh, you know it was a bit chaotic, and I and I don't share the story out of pity by any means. Uh, it's just more or less just a history. I mean, I think I've, <laughs> I don't think I've met anybody who. Had, I mean, there's been very few people that will tell you, "Hell, my childhood was awesome. I wouldn't change a thing." You know, we all kind of have our, our our things, right? Our, our issues sure. with it. My mine was probably a little unique. I mean, my my mom and biological father were married for about five years. Um, and then when I was about nine months old, they got divorced. And then after they got divorced, I never saw my father. So, uh, from the time I was basically zero to, uh, to I was four years old, um, I, I didn't have one. I was raised exclusively by my mom, which I, you know, I was fine with. I didn't know any better, but I, re- I remember this. I mean, we're going back 36 years ago, but I remember this vividly when I was four and in preschool, I always remember like these dads coming to pick up my friends and I always thought in my mind at that time that, you know, the moms just go out and find a dad that my mom just hadn't found one yet. And so I'll never forget one time when I was four, she brought a man that she had been dating for a while 
home over to, to our house for dinner and he came walking in. I'll, I'll still never forget it. I mean, here was this guy come walking in through our door. He had on a suit, a briefcase. He had a trench coat. He had just gotten off work. And it was the first time I ever remember like this male figure coming through our front door. And the first question out of my four-year-old mouth when I see this guy is, are you going to be my dad? And <laughs> Classic, you know, I mean, man. Just right, classic. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the guy, I think the guy at the time was probably, you know, in his mid thirties or whatever he was. And uh-huh. he just looked at me stunned. And so did my mom and, you know, didn't know what to say. The poor guy was like, my gosh, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um, but lo and behold, they did get married. They got married about, uh, a year later when I was five and they got, they stayed together, um, f- from the time to, till I was 10. So they were married for five years. What I can tell you is, uh, about that man was, is he was probably the greatest guy I ever knew, uh, he taught me manners. He was pretty strict, but uh, but he was a good guy. And he was a good guy until he drank. And when he drank, he became completely different, kind of became pretty violent, pretty physically abusive, mentally abusive, but sober. He was one of the greatest guys I knew. By the time I was 10, they they broke up. They, they got divorced. And then I didn't have a father there for, for a while. And then when I was 12, I actually had an opportunity to meet my biological father for the first time. And I didn't know much about him. I just knew his name and what my mom had told me about him. But we had this brief relationship for a while that lasted a, a few months. And unfortunately, we drifted apart. And that was, that was really tough, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I lost him you know, when I was a baby and then I lost him again when I was 12. And two things happened when I was 30. So 10 years ago, I became a father for the first time, had my first son, uh, who's almost 10 years old now. And I actually ran into my biological father again. You know, here it was 20 years later, total fluke. I was in a coffee shop here in St. Louis and he came walking through the front door. I knew exactly who he was. He hadn't changed much, but uh, we ended up connecting and talking. And here we are 10 years later, we have a relationship. Uh, he's been married to the same woman now for uh, I think 37 years. Wow. I have I have two half brothers that I see that I get along with, and we have a we have a good relationship. I wouldn't say it's a father son relationship, but it's a relationship that's maybe more of a friendship. Sure, and that's and that's fine. You know, it suits us just fine. I don't, I wouldn't want anything more, and I wouldn't want anything less. Um, my mom, from the time I was 10 to the time I was, uh, gosh. Um, 25. I mean, she was married uh, a few more times and um, all the relationships that she had were kind of the same guy was, you know, more of the heavy drinker, you know, nice, sober, but uh, kind of a nightmare when he was drinking. So I learned two things from that upbringing. Number one, um, what it's like to grow up without a father and how devastating that is, but maybe also uh, even more so growing up with a father that's toxic and how devastating that is. So I've seen both sides of that. And when I became a father for the first time, I really, the reason I walked, you know, so long in the man of a shoes that was struggling was because that was my blueprint. And I, I desperately didn't want to pass that on to my own kids. And I wouldn't say that I ever have, but I've walked a fine line between knowing what I didn't want, but I had no idea how to get to where I 
did want, if that makes sense. Oh, so yeah. like, I, that makes perfect I, sense, man. Yeah. It was like living in limbo. It's like, yeah. okay, I, I know I'm not going to beat my kids and I know I'm not going to be mentally abusive and I know I'm not going to do all these horrible things. But at the same time, like I want to find the greatness in this. And yeah. I felt like I lived very average for a long time and it was frustrating because I didn't want to live that way. And that's really where the Good Dad Project kind of came from in my childhood, pretty much in a nutshell. Did you uh, find yourself sometimes, because uh, I, I think a lot of us feel that same way, like we know what we don't want to do, um, but maybe we don't know exactly what we should do or what we're supposed to do. And so right. like, I know for me, I found myself um, like subconsciously doing things, you know, that my dad did that I'm like, I never thought I would, I would do that or say that, you know what I mean? Did you ever go through any of that thing where you're just like, why I just said that? Like why how the why the hell did I just say that? I sound just like that, you know? It's just such a such an ironic thing. And then you gotta step back for a second and say, Okay, I just did that or I just said that or whatever the you know the situation is and and really try to learn from it and not do it again, you know? No, I you know, it's funny. I <laughs> I have this blog and I have this podcast and I have this book and I write these things. I, I talk about these things on the podcast. I've written a book on it and yet still every day, right? Yeah, I mean, every yeah. day, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a reminder. It's an awareness, you know, like, Hey, this is not what I want to do. Yeah. And you know, I, I do make mistakes. It just is, it's just, we all do. But the thing I think that it's helped me a lot is doing this whole passion project that I have. It's given me awareness. So it's like, I clearly, clearly understand you know, where I want to go and where, and what I don't want to do. And yes, you know, absolutely. There are times where I fall into that, you know, that, that dark place of doing the things I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. But given this template that I have now and learning from all the guests we've had on the podcast and all these great resources we have now is I can then take that and be like, you know what? I, there's no, I don't know. There's no, I'm not sure if that was right or wrong. I know that was wrong. Yeah. So I'm going to go make that right. And so there's a lot of times that I'll go to my own kids and be like, you know, Hey, I just want to let you know that you know may, what you did was not correct, okay? But maybe I shouldn't have reacted the way I did, and I do apologize for that because sure, sure. that's not the way to be. But you know, so if like my kids do something where you know my son, you know, left his bike out, you know, for like the thirtieth time <laughs> out in out in our front yard, and I keep telling them, I was yeah. like, dude, someone is going to steal your bike. Yeah. And I, last night we, you know, perfect example, it, we had a, a birthday party over here and there was kids everywhere and it was like mad chaos. And I was like, you know, at the end of those nights, you're like ready to pull your hair out oh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, you know, I kind of like got really upset at him. I'm like, man, I don't like, I kind of got in his face a little bit, but not in a disrespectful or demeaning way, but I could tell like it got to him. Yeah. And it kind of got to me, like my intuitional intelligence was like, you know, that probably wasn't the best for me to react that way. So I went up to him afterwards. I'm like, hey, listen. Um, I'm not saying you leaving your bike outside was the right thing to do. We know that was wrong, right? Yes, okay. But the way I reacted, I shouldn't have gotten so upset. And I apologize for maybe some of the things that I've said. And you know, do you forgive me? So it's like one of those things where yeah. I, I. But I'm also it's a good lesson for him because I'm also teaching him the power of apology and forgiveness as well. You know, because just because I'm the dad, that doesn't mean I'm right all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a great example too of personal responsibility, and we talk a lot about that in recovery. About um, you know, if we do make a mistake or we we step out of line because we let our emotions get the best of us, it's so important to go to to do exactly what you're talking about to go back and say, look, uh, maybe I don't agree with you. If it's a different situation, maybe it's a conversation with another adult, or like in your case with your son. 
you know, leaving your bike out is not, it's, I've told you 30 times plus, you know, not to do it, but at the same time, you know, just taking that personal responsibility is so huge and being able to pass that down so they can see, so they can see that too. Just a a great example, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's, I I think they do need that template sometimes where, because it teaches them that lesson of humility and apologizing and, you know, forgiveness and, and all that. So there, there's, when we make mistakes as parents, there's lessons that we can pass on, which is so cool, yeah. you know? Um, so one of the things that I, I had a thought on when you were talking about your father and, and you met him 10 years ago when you were 30, I think in life, I, I always, I always go back to recovery because recovery is such a huge part of it. But I also think just life in general, a lot of us can hold resentments for so many years and we can be resentful and that can really just eat us up inside and it can really block us from living out our full potential. How I think it's amazing, first of all, that you've been able to establish this relationship with your father after not, um, you know, after not knowing him or seeing him for that amount of time. How did you deal with resentments or was there a resentment at all in that situation? That's a very, very, very good question. And I agree with you. I think Number one, let's talk about the resentment part and what that does to the person who holds the resentment. Sure. The only th- the only the only person that resentment hurts is the person who holds it. It does nothing to the person that you're holding resentment towards. So you know, resentment, holding a grudge, unforgiveness. I mean, that's going to do nothing but tear you apart. And that's just one thing I've decided to. I, I just don't focus on it, and I don't. You know, my dad and I, we, we've had plenty of conversations of, of maybe the decisions that were made, uh, you know, back then and, and what, what had happened. And it's, it, it is what it is. Neither one of us can change it. And all we can do is really just focus on what is going to be the best thing for us to move forward and just enjoy this time that we have because, you know, my dad's not going to be around forever. And so that's what we have decided to, focus our time, our energy, our resources on is how good can this relationship be and not really worry about the past. I, I will say this though about it. I've I've shared my story with a lot of people. A lot of people have asked me is, okay, I get that. That's cool. But how? Like how? I mean, because I yeah. can't imagine being in that situation and then you know, losing your dad as a child and then losing him again when you were 12 and then kind of opening your life up again when, when you're 30. Like, how do you, how do, you do that? Um, I, I will say this, you know, I, there, there's a part of me that if I was in that same situation, would I make the same decisions? Probably not. Um, but then again, I can't, I can't hold that against him now because that's going to do nothing but hurt our relationship. So I've just decided and you know, it, it just is what it is. And, you know, either walk in the shoes of someone who forgives and moves on or, or be miserable holding a grudge. Yeah, and yeah. A when point. you have those two, when you have those two choices to make, it's pretty clear what you should, what you should do. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting too, how God puts us in certain situations of adversity, maybe growing up without that father figure, um, for a purpose, you know, and, and maybe that purpose is for you to turn around and start the good dad project and, and be, you know, tr- or try, you know, I, I want to say try, because I know this thing is a daily, it's a daily struggle being a dad, uh, being a husband, being a good man, um, you know, being sober. Those things are things that we have to work at on the, on the daily, but 
you know, going back in your situation, you, you were, you were put in this situation as a kid and now you've been able to become a, a, a man and really give back to your kids. But not only that, be able to reach out to other dudes out there and, and offer some, you know, some, some community in other guys that can reach out and, and, uh, really create a good environment for themselves too. So that's pretty awesome, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Let's, um, let's jump in, let's jump into this, man. So another part of this conversation here is, is about alcohol. And, um, and, uh, you know, in our conversation before we spoke a little bit about an alcoholic versus, versus maybe someone who is just drinking a little bit too much. Um, I, I, I sat and I actually thought about this on how, how I could explain that better. And I'm just going to be honest. I really don't know. Um, I really don't. I know that I'm an alcoholic. I know that I drink excessively when I drink and I know that other things come in into play in that drugs and, and so forth. And that's something that's in my past and that's that. But, um, you know, moving forward to somebody who, who might ask, how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? I only, only one person can, can say that only themselves can say that. Um, in your case, you felt like you had been drinking, quite a bit too much and you decided to stop recently. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit. When did, when did you start drinking and how did that kind of evolve for you? Yeah, man. So I, I'll just be very transparent here. Um, I, I've been, I've done a ton of podcasts in the past year. Yeah. This is the one that I've been most nervous about. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable, but, um, man. I know it's, it's a tough thing to talk about sometimes. It is. It really is. But the thing is, is I, I've shared so much of my life and, and the mistakes I've made as a father. And what I've learned is that that it's, it's really those stories and those struggles that speak to other guys. Sure. And it, it's, it, once you kind of share your own struggle, you kind of give permission to the people who are listening to either open up about theirs or maybe take some takeaways of, okay, you know what? I, I can take away these few things and maybe implement them into my life. And I never really thought about it that way. Or maybe I can do just this one thing different. So it's really this stories of struggle and how people have overcome them that I think really speaks to most people. And that's why I wanted to get on the show and talk about this. So my entire childhood was surrounded by alcohol. I mean, incredibly. Uh, every single man that my mom was with was a heavy, heavy drinker, heavy drinker. Uh, my mom uh, was, you know, is a very heavy drinker. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest with you, we haven't spoken in quite some time because of that, actually. Um, but I can tell you, I mean, growing up with that childhood, I remember always saying, man, I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to do that, you know? Yeah. And, one of the things that I've noticed, so I, I'm, I'm a pretty healthy guy. You know, I uh, physically, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always working out. I'm always doing something athletic. Um, I used to compete actually in bodybuilding shows. I, I did a, another bodybuilding show uh, a few years back. So I've always been one of those guys that I, you know, I take pretty good care of myself. But I would say over the past, I would say three years, four years, um, I was one of those drinkers that I never really craved it when I wasn't drinking. It's not like I needed to come home every night and have a drink. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like a thing. But the problem that I had is when I, when the weekends would come and I couldn't have just one. So that was my problem. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say this. <laughs> you know, I think when, when you're a drinker, you're either a lover or a fighter. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe you tip the scales on one or the other more. 
Um, I can always, I can tell you with, you know, confidence that I'm definitely a lover. I get you know, very <laughs> affectionate and huggy yeah. and kissy and all that. Um, but, you know, I, I think over the past few years, there was a part of me that started to become more aware of, of maybe some of my drinking habits. And I was just like, you know, I don't really, I, I, I'm not really digging how I'm living, you know, and I, I, you know, I would drink on the weekends, you know, like as everybody, you know, as I thought, you know, everybody drinks on the weekends. Yeah. But then I'd have a drink throughout the week. And then, you know, some recently, you know, over the past year, I've kind of looked at my life and I'm like, man, it's like I drank, you know, three times this week, which if you think about three times, it's like every other day. Yeah. And that's what really started to freak me out. I'm like, man, I was like, this is, this is not going to be good. And what I've, what I noticed was, is the more often I drank, the when I did drink, the more I would want to drink when I drank, if that makes sense. Probably yeah. just contradicted myself. <laughs> no, it but, makes sense. <laughs> but I uh I kind of just got up to that point where I was like I became like an outsider looking in. I don't know if this makes any sense. And there was a it was like, you know, a good angel on my shoulder and a bad one. And it's like, you know, should you be doing this? Don't you know better? Didn't you grow up like this? Is this really what you want to do with your life? Um, and I, I think that's really just kind of how I became more aware. And as far as, I mean, I'm happy to go deeper with, with whatever you want to know, but, uh, the decision to stop really came from, uh, as of, um, New Year's Eve, right? I mean, everyone makes New Year's resolutions and I just did a show on New Year's resolutions, which 25% of people, you know, come summertime will still be doing their resolutions. The other 75% drop out. Yeah. But I can definitely tell you with all confidence that I'm going to be one of the 25 percenters because awesome. I made a decision to do something different with my life. And one of them was not to drink and I want to get healthier. So I started, uh, Mark Devine is a commander in the Navy SEAL. He's also a, an author. He wrote a book called Eight Weeks to Seal Fit. And I decided I want to do something different with my fitness. And, um, I decided to start doing the Seal Fit program, and part of that program is not drinking. And actually, I think he allows like you know twenty percent of your calories or whatever to come from you know whatever you want, whether that's sweets or wine or whatever. But I just decided to cut it out, and so I did. And in the so I've been I've been completely alcohol free for fifty two days now, and I can tell you, it has changed my life more profound than I would have ever thought. And it's changed my life to the point where now I've reached out to other people who don't drink and I've gotten to hear their stories of what it's done to their life. And I got to tell you with, with all confidence, I'm not going back. Yeah, I'm just not <laughs> because like now it's like I've gotten a taste of what greatness feels like. Yeah. And clarity, clarity and productivity and just enjoyment and fulfillment of life. I'm not going back. Now, here's the other thing too. I don't have anything against people that drink. In fact, what I've noticed is that's one of the hardest things is that when I've stopped drinking, people around me who drink feel uncomfortable. And the, the things that I tell them is like, please, by all means, drink, enjoy. You know, it would actually make me feel uncomfortable if you didn't. You know, I know you think you're making me feel uncomfortable, but if you don't drink, it'll probably make me yeah. feel uncomfortable. So, <laughs> so by all means, you know, you you probably don't have the genetics that I do that predisposes you to things that predispose me. So by all means, enjoy, you know, yeah. but that's, I, that's really <clears throat> that's what's happened to me over the past 50 something days. Well, I, I like, um, I mean, God, there's so many good points in there. I'm trying to, I'm trying to backtrack and hit them all now, but, uh, one, one that stands out 
the good angel and the bad angel. Uh, I've talked a lot, a lot about that on the show and um, in meetings, and I've I've listened to other men and women talk about that. Uh, the cunningness of alcoholism, of of the of addictions, just in general. Um, that could be food, sex. Um, it could be a number of different things. Um, that part in there that will tell you you're doing what everyone else does. Everything you're, you're, this is what you do. You drink on the weekends, you have a good time, you work hard. So you should enjoy a couple of drinks on the weekend. Um, and then, you know, back to the other side, you know what you're drinking three, four days a week. Now you're drinking and driving. You're, you're not making some great decisions. So that whole back and forth thing is very, very common and it, um, it, it happens often, but it's such a tough, tough thing to really look yourself in the mirror and number one, admit that it even exists. Um, and then number two, actually do something about it and say, wait a minute and decision. Uh, that's a really key word that you, that you said in there too. I made a decision and I'm going to stick to it. And, and in order, when we make these decisions, what we can do is we can, we can start to build support around those decisions and, um, you know, there's many different ways we can do that by educating ourselves. Uh, for, you know, for me, it's a recovery program, um, just depending on what your situation is. Um, let, let me, let me start here. I, I, I want to backtrack just a little bit. I want to just be a little more specific if you don't mind sure. about what your drinking routine was, because I, I think like, I, I think there's a lot of guys out there like, like you, Larry, that are maybe right in between you know, you were drinking a little bit too much and you you had a tough time making that decision. And obviously you're very glad that you did. Now you've just said that, um, and you're having some great results from it. What was your routine like, um, you know, leading up to, to that new year's resolution? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I knew come January 1st, 2016, I was not going to drink any more alcohol. So <laughs> the holidays, I lived it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> lots of eggnog, huh? lots I, of beer. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, before that, though, um, the funny thing is, too, if you go to my Instagram, you'll actually see before and after pictures of what I just, I think, you know, before when I was drinking, you know, a few, a few times a week. And um, it, there were times in there, too, over the past few years, like where I would go through bouts where I would drink every day. It wasn't, you know, usually drinking every day to get drunk, but I would have, you know, a glass of wine or two glasses of wine at night with dinner. And, the, and there would be, you know, time chunks in there where I'd be doing that every day. And the thing that I noticed too, when it, looking back on the before and after pictures, um, is that probably the amount of inflammation that my body was experiencing. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, my, my body fat went from uh, 16 to 12 in the past seven weeks. And that's pretty much, I mean, I have always eaten clean, always. And just cutting out the alcohol and doing the workouts lost 4% of my body fat in a matter of seven weeks. And um, I I think when I look back on everything and and the whole drinking aspect was I wanted wanted a, a really good reason. I wanted something to really anchor me to make good decisions you know, when it came to alcohol, because my viewpoint of it, the thing that I feared the most about stopping drinking was how am I going to have a good time without it? You know, how am I going to enjoy holidays without it? How am I going to enjoy time with my neighbors, you know, outside, you know, with the kids when all my neighbors are having a beer and I'm not? And how am I going to enjoy that? Am I going to feel like a complete oddball or like at work functions for, for, you know, at a 
week-long national sales meeting? How am I going to enjoy myself or am I going to be looked down upon as the guy who's not drinking? And those were all fears that I had. I can tell you after doing this now for nearly two months, I've experienced all those things that I've just talked about. And I actually have a better time now than before. And I think it's because when I'm around people who are drinking, I have better clarity of thought. So I, I, I feel like I carry on conversations better. And you know whether they're drinking or not, and it's they can have fun. A lot of times, like what I've noticed is I always thought people around me would really care, right? That I'm not drinking. Yeah. People don't care. Yeah. Like I, it, I always had this this thought that people were going to really care that the fact that I wasn't drinking. And people just don't care. At the end of the day, they care about what they're doing, which is fine. But um, the Seal Fit workout regimen, I think, was my anchor. You know, and it was it was kind of my reason. It was my why. And now that I've been doing this for 50 some odd days, my why has changed. So my why is no longer like, hey, I want to be healthier and I want to give this seal fit you know, regimen a really good chance. I've seen all these miraculous things happen and I've, had to ex- I've gotten to experience all these really cool things that now I've got my stamp. You know, like, I'm like, man, I really sure. don't need alcohol in my life to do all these things that I thought I could do before. So, so Larry, uh, here's, here's the dilemma I'm in. I'm kind of having, I'm kind of having a bit of an issue on with me. It's been alcoholism. It's been addiction and it's been kind of full force in recovery and rehab. Um, I'm, I'm having kind of a, a tough time right now in all honesty, like trying to find that middle ground on trying to see, you know, where you're at, where you're coming from, where another guy out there might be coming from. Um, can you, can you kind of help lay that out? What, what is that middle ground look like for you? Well, you know, to be honest with you, so you're probably learning something from me right now. Absolutely, with, man. With the middle ground. Well, I, I feel like through this show, I've learned a great deal from you. And let me explain that. So, yeah, I, I would say on a scale of one to 10, zero being someone who doesn't drink a drop of alcohol and 10 being someone who probably belongs on, you know, the show Intervention. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I was probably a five. You know, I was, I was probably right in there, that middle ground. Mm-hmm. So for a guy who's in the middle ground, right, um, what does that really look like? And for me, like I always had like this intuition that I didn't want to drink as much as I was. And I had this intuition that I wanted to stop. And But there was a part of me that that was hard. That was very difficult, you know. I could sort of, I, I could live pretty easily without it. But then again, I really wanted it, you know, too, at the same time. And when I drank, I really wanted it more. So I wasn't one of those people that drank every single day and was drunk and had, you know, 10 DWIs. I've never had anything like that. I've never had a DWI and I never, you know, but at the same time, you know, it, and I, I never really viewed myself as like, hey, you know, if I want to stop drinking, maybe I need to go to rehab. Because yeah. I never felt like it was to that extreme. Yeah. So for me, being the middle ground guy, I felt like, what does that mean? And what do I need to do? Because I really don't know because I'm not, I'm not an extreme. So for me, what it really looked like, the middle ground guy, and it probably speaks to maybe a lot of your listeners, was I never really felt like I had a full-blown problem with it. And even asking my wife, who I've known for 20 years, she'll tell you, like, I didn't really think you had a big problem with it. She's like, you know, every once in a while, like I'd see you drink and, you know, I could see you get kind of sloppy, but that wasn't like all the time. And it it just, it never really was crazy. Um, But inside, (laughs) 
you know, my mentality, my spirituality around it, my intuition around it was something's wrong. This is not right. I want to change, but I don't know exactly how. And I don't, I know I don't need a 30 day program to do it. So where does that put me? I have no clue. And what I really found was I needed a very, very strong why. I needed something to keep me very, very accountable, but not something that maybe was as um, extreme as rehab. And for me, that why started with uh, seal fit. You know, started with I wanted to improve my overall health, and I wanted to decrease my body fat. I wanted to, you know, I'm 40 years old, and I wanted to be able to run around with my kids without feeling tired and having headaches and and that kind of thing. So that that was my why that really anchored me. Now I will tell you this: once I got a taste of what that felt like to be alcohol free, that's when I really got clear with like, wait a second, this is completely different than I thought it was going to be. And this is not only a lot easier than I thought it would be, but now I feel so good. I don't want to go back. And now that's my why is simply, I don't want to go back. Um, maybe that answers your question of like, who's, who is the middle ground guy, you know, and what goes through his mind or what are his struggles? And I would tell you that is our struggle is we're not on those sides of those extremes. So there's really no clear cut map for us. Yeah. It's, you know, this, this is coming on me like pretty strong right now because I'm feeling, I I totally get what you're saying and and it, it makes complete sense to me. And I think from the fact of it's either been all or none, uh, for me and my personal experience and me in some of the programs, um, there's different levels of this disease there, you know, there's just like you kind of were talking about, you know, zero to 10, you were a five, there's different levels of it. And, and like, I, you know, a lot of us never did get DUIs or been to prison or, or jail or, um, you know, ended up divorced or lost a job. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of people out there who have uh, severe drinking problems who, who didn't have, um, some of those issues too. And so I think that's the, that's the tough part about it. That's the, that's the cunningness of it, um, is, is how, how do I know, where do I know where I stand at? And, um, at the same time, I think it's so fair for you to be able to explain this and, um, and tell your side of it from that middle ground. Now, is this gonna, is this gonna relate to everybody out there? No, it's not because there's different levels of it. And, the person who doesn't need the um, the thirty day program that might not apply to the same person who may have some some similar issues uh, but different at the same time. They might absolutely need that. They might not have the same willpower or the same faith or the same situation as a guy like you, Larry. I think that's kind of where I'm having that struggle um, because I've been in that situation where it's like all or none. Basically, if you don't do this, this certain way, you're going to fail. And maybe as I evolve in my sobriety and my recovery program, those are some of the things that I have, um, have came to terms with that I don't really necessarily like about some of the, um, some of the organizations, you know, that being said, they've, they've saved my life. I feel like at the same time. So I'm kind of stuck in that, in that, um, that debate there, I guess, but I just, I appreciate you being honest and laying it out because it's not a, it's not a tough thing or it's, it's a, not an easy thing to, to really look at. It's not. And I think when you're, maybe we just now invented that term, the middle ground, the yeah, middle ground guy. I think we did. <laughs> the know. middle ground guy. I yeah. Think so. But I think when you are maybe that middle ground guy, maybe 
you know, maybe your I, I I seriously and again, you know, this is just my personal opinion. I think when you have found your really strong why, I, I think that's what can help you. And and this is also let me let me also say this. This is coming from a guy who tried several whys. Okay. So this was this is not the my first go at trying to be um completely sober. So I, I've tried to do it um, a few different times over the past, I don't know, three or four years, and and just for different reasons. Not at, you know, not necessarily even thinking at the time like I had a problem, but like you know, I'm just gonna not, you know, I'm just not gonna not, I'm just not gonna drink anymore, and for no other reason than that, I'm just not gonna drink. Well, I found out when I had a why like that, <laughs> it would last like two weeks. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but I found finally with this and the whole thing, and I. I picked January 1st because that's the day I knew I was going to start seal fit. It had nothing to do with New Year's resolution because I knew another, you know, another thing too. My New Year's resolution is to do this. It, you know, sometimes you're <laughs> yeah. just, you're just setting yourself up for epic failure when yeah. you do that. Um, so mine was the seal fit and my long-term goal for, for seal fit is I want to do this program from the author, Mark Devine. It's called 20 X, which is, um, you have to actually go out to California and perform 12 hours of the 50 hours of the Navy SEAL Hell Week, which that's what I'm training to do. And so, of course, you, you you're crazy, bro. Al- you're crazy. I know. Well, you, and you don't, <laughs> you don't awesome. want alcohol in your life if yeah. you're trying to do something like that. So, um, but that was really my strong why. And I guess the middle ground guy, I mean, it really just boils down to figuring out what's most important to you as your why. So, and, here's. Here, here's what here's what's going on in my brain right now, and we we talk about the middle ground guy. How does the middle ground guy start to think I am the middle ground guy when really he's the eight, the nine, or the ten on on the scale, and he's really a full blown alcoholic? But the cunningness of the disease tells him you're just a middle ground guy. Does that does that yeah. make sense? That that's I, that's the part I'm struggling with, I guess, right now. That makes total sense. And, you know, gosh, if I could answer that for you, I yeah. would, because maybe, maybe someone who's at that level, you know, maybe they do need a program, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe they do need something like that. That's a bit more, uh, you know, interventional, um, for lack of a better word. Uh, but well, gosh. I think like, like, like we said at the beginning of the episode though, only, you know, only, yeah. you know, what, what you are and only your honesty in yourself and your gut is going to tell you what you are. Chances are, if you're questioning, if you're an alcoholic, I can't tell you that, but there's a good chance you might be if you're questioning it because alcoholics don't question it. You know what I mean? Right. They don't, they don't think about that. Um, so I don't know. I hope that makes sense to you. And I, 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 I ask you that with the utmost respect. I'm, I'm just, um, that that's just a part that I, I have struggled with for as my recovery has uh, progressed. Yeah. And, I actually have a great example of of what you just said, which is, you know, whether how do you know whether you have a problem or not? I have a good friend of mine who uh, who's been sober for almost five years now, and he went through a lot of challenges when it came to you know alcoholism. Uh-huh. He's been sober for almost five years, and I remember, you know, months ago when he and I first started kind of talking about this, and I would I just kind of pick his brain. I'm like, you know. I was like, I, I can't really tell. You know, it's kind of like the same conversation you and I are having. I was like, I can't yeah. really tell, you know, if, if I need to get this out of my life or not. Like it's I'm sort of like at a tipping point. I would I explained to him what you and I just talked about. And he just looked at me and he said, You know what? He goes, I can't tell you that either. He goes, but you know, a lot of us underestimate our intuitional intelligence. And if something is pl- tugging at you, 
chances are it's trying to tell you something. Yeah. So, and I'll never forget that. I'm like, you know, it's true. It's kind of like if it's in your gut and you sort of know maybe this is not the direction I want to go, chances are it's not, you know, it's not where you want to go. Sure, sure. Well, hey, man, this has been a great conversation. Um, I uh, I just have one more question for you. Um, what would you say to guys out there who may who may be in a similar spot that that you were in? Um, you know, maybe maybe drinking a couple times a week. They're kind of they're tugging on that intuition, that gut feeling that they know something just not not really right. Um, what what kind of advice could you give them, Larry? You know. I, I put my. I guess it's a good thing that, you know, a good thing, bad thing that I'm I'm sort of freshly, completely sober, which is fit. You know, to some people, it's not long. You know, fifty something days. But I think, just looking back a short while ago, my my main fear was how am I going to enjoy social settings without it? Am I going to be looked at as you know a prude for you know lack of a better word, or am I going to be looked at? is I can't be I can't drink around that guy cuz that guy doesn't drink, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or does this guy think he's better than me because he doesn't drink, you know, or it, that those were my fears, you know. And what I can tell you is is those fears were completely not what I thought they were going to be. And that's what I would tell your listeners who maybe were talking to the guys who were at that middle ground is that you can really enjoy social settings without it. I mean, there's another thing that I do too that just so I don't so I don't have to explain anything or do anything like if I'm in a social setting I I love mineral water like Pellegrino or mm-hmm. or ginger ale or something like that I mean I'll just put like you know plastic cup I'll I'll pour that in most people don't even notice you know they just think I'm drinking a yeah. drink but they have no clue that I'm drinking like Pellegrino with lime have no yeah. idea and they, they don't ask um it's such so a I, good it, tip man that's such a good tip it is. It, it you know, it's it's easy. The, the other thing too, and I'll I'll I want to share this as well. It's it's a simple tip, but it's it's powerful. I noticed that one of the reasons that I would drink and I, I drank, I loved red wine, right? But it wasn't necessarily that I loved red wine. Is I liked the taste of something later in the evening. I wanted like something, something either sweet or something. I just didn't want to eat something bad, so I would have yeah. like a glass of wine, right? Now that I've been without drinking or alcohol for the past 50-something days, I've replaced that now with a cup of decaf tea or a cup of decaf coffee. And I fully realize now, after doing this now for 50-something days, that really all I wanted was just something to sip on. And it didn't have to be alcohol. I mean, I get just as much you know, refreshment out of like, Hey, I just want to have a cup of decaf coffee and sit with my wife and kids, you know? And yeah, yeah. the thing that, the thing that I've noticed too, is that, um, my kids are at that age, you know, they're 10, my older ones are 10 and eight. And so they would always, you know, like, Hey, what are you drinking? You know, why do you drink that? And now like they get to see me drinking decaf coffee. Yeah. And so like the thing that they'll get to see over the next several years is like my dad always drank de- my dad always drank coffee in the evening. Like how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. And they and they remember. They remember that stuff cuz I know I remember things from when I was real young and you know yeah. I, I wish I didn't some of them but hey so let's uh for for those of you listening out there I really encourage you to check out The Dad's Edge Larry's book. I want to give you a couple of key points in it. You can learn how to master the work-life balance, uh, improve connection and relationships with our wives and our kids, which is huge, and discover your core values, your legacy, and your personal mission. It's a great book. Uh, Larry, why don't you tell us where we can find the book and where we can find any more uh, info out about The Good Dad Project? 
Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And yeah, if, if you're a dad out there and you're listening, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, where you come from, what you got going on, the challenges, uh, the dad's edge, the, the good dad project. All we are is a bunch of imperfect knuckleheads just trying to <laughs> figure yes, this I out. Love it. You know, that's yeah. really all we are. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, a, a group of imperfect dads just trying to help each other. Uh, you can find my site at gooddadproject.com. That's where you find all of our blogs, our, uh, we got some free resources on there that Shane mentioned. Uh, the book is, you can also actually download a free chapter of the book if you go to gooddadprojects.com slash resources. Um, you can find the podcast at gooddadproject.com slash podcast. Uh, the book is also on Amazon. Um, you can find it there. It's also on iTunes if you want to get an electronic copy of it. And on Amazon, there's also a Kindle. Um, also, we have the Dad's Edge Facebook group. So if you want access to that, just go to Facebook and just search Dad's Edge. I'm sure it'll pop up. Just ask for uh, access into that. I'm sure we'll let you in. We don't screen really anybody. We just make sure you're a dad. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, if you're interested in masterminds, we actually have uh, dad online groups that we do. So we'll we usually grab about 60 minutes per week with a group of like-minded fathers that will help you uh, – in your business life, in your personal life, uh, as a husband, father, the, you know, single dad, the whole nine yards. So that's really where you can find us. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. And amen. Uh, Larry, I, I greatly, greatly appreciate your honesty today. I know this is not always an easy conversation to have and to be open and to put ourselves out there like this. My hope is that it really encourages some other guys out there who may be struggling with some of the same stuff, having some of the same thoughts, Number one, knowing that there's resources out there and Larry just, uh, you know, Larry's got a ton of them at the good dad project. Uh, we got a ton of them on that sober and that sober nation. Uh, Larry, thank you so much, man, for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I love what you do. And I know you and I got connected, uh, through a podcasting group. And I remember I just listened to one of your episodes and I was like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> like who would have thought like there's a podcast out there like this that's going to help, so many people, I mean, to just get the word out, you know, of, of what you're doing. I just love it and uh, wish you all the success in the world. Thank you, sir. This has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com. Contact Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. And leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.